Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. If you're looking to throw some optics on your turkey gun this spring, look no further than the Vortex Defender ST. This is the red dot we're going to be running this season. We're excited about it. This thing's built like a tank, super lightweight, super long battery life, everything you need in a good turkey red dot. And if you want to get a discount on that red dot or any other Vortex Optic, go to eurooptic.com and use the code SGN10 to get a discount. That's eurooptic.com, code SGN10. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar. May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you. And we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. You're listening to the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Now let's get to the episode. Presented by Hunting Exchange, a marketplace for serious hunters by serious hunters. Welcome back, everybody, to another outro from the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Me and Michael both missed Monday's episode, but we're here to talk about it anyways with the ginger bow hunter, Mr. Jacob Myers. Mm. Jacob, how are you? Celebrity status, it seems like. Celeb. Gosh. Yeah, man. Hey, uh, good episode, and uh, very excited to kind of talk about at least a little bit of this stuff, you know, with some people that, you know, may or may not have already listened to the episode. <laughs> a little low blow there. Michael, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I go, out of, I go out of town for two weeks, and you record like 20 podcasts. <laughs> I don't. I feel like I feel like Michael's been gone for so long. People are like, "Did you get rid of him?" Dude, people are like, "Where's Mike at?" Like that was the, that was the entertainment on the podcast. He he's like, he, he was the man of few words, but when he spoke, it was golden. 
<laughs> made it count. <laughs> made it count. Yeah. Well, well, maybe we should get into the news first. Look, I'm always all about the flush. All right, what you get? All right. This is it, folks. Jacob has taken the leap. He jumped out of the nest. Jay <laughs> <laughs> jumped out of. He jumped out of the nest. Jacob, what did you do today? Well, I was uh, able to finally, uh, with some, uh, I guess, a little bit of support, but be able to uh, finally quit my job and now be able to put full time into the podcast. Woo! Everybody clap! That's awesome. Now, that, mm-hmm. that, that does not mean making much of any money, like right now. Like, like No, he probably took about an 85% pay cut. Yeah. That's probably not an exaggeration. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's like, very yeah. good job. But, you know, I'll say this. I brought this up to a couple different people. Uh, previously is uh you know dude you can make all the money in the world and like i was i was making just you know humbly making more money than i ever thought i was gonna make at my age oh yeah like and um you know it was like oh man it was awesome this is so awesome but the quality of life sucked yeah it's like you had all this money which it was great because i saved a bunch that's one reason why i was able to take this leap of faith because i've got you know quite a bit in savings um but that was terrible like again this is the quality of life but also you know last six months we've been doing a lot of different things with podcasts really trying to grow this and it's getting to the point now uh it's it's kind of a, a ride or die you know it's becoming a, a easily 40 hour job a week Got so it. when you're putting no in problem. 50 yeah. 55 hours in your day job yeah and then 40 on top it makes for very very long weeks yeah. um that's very one reason long, that's one reason we never hunt <laughs> yeah i was gonna say that's one reason for real i haven't hunted a whole bunch this year like no joke jacob has not hunted since he killed his bear in arkansas in october 16th yep it's been a, been a minute yep absolutely here we are thanksgiving so, but uh, yeah, man. So taking the leap of faith. So hopefully that means you're all going to keep on supporting the podcast and keep listening. That's all I need you to do. Keep listening, buy us some merch. We'll, we'll be good. But yeah, preferably if y'all bought some merch too, that'd be really awesome. That's what yeah. it's all about. Dude. A lot of y'all, just a heads up real quick. A lot of y'all did buy some merch. The second we launched these hats, we actually had to order another shipment <laughs> because y'all pretty much bought all, I think there's like two left of those black and loading hats. Yep. Uh, so That's if you're right. listening to this, there may or may not be some more available by the time you're listening to this podcast. Uh, so go snag them if you want. And yeah. then of course there's a, a charcoal black, uh, leather, pa- or not leather patch, the, uh, just the patch hats. Yep. Uh, but yeah, dude. Yeah. So thanks everybody for the support. I'll tell you what, man, that is the American dream right there, my man. It really is. You, uh, you're able to create your own business doing exactly what you want to do and you can do that for a living and make money at it and support yourself. I mean, that's what it's all about, man. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, uh, you know, it's kind of a goal. I think for a lot of people, no, some people it might not be, and that's perfectly fine. But a lot of people, it seems like their goal is to kind of go in business for themselves for whatever it is. And, you know, we get friends that are, you know, entrepreneurs and doing really well, which is kind of awesome, especially, you know, kind of uh, early on into their professional career. Uh, but yeah, that's been a goal. And that was being a huge influence with me. They actually, the guy that got me into hunting, which is my uncle, my, uh, my mother's brother, uh, he was the one that got me into hunting. And anyways, he's always worked for himself. The only time he ever has had a, a boss was back in high school. And then after that, he has started his own business and had his own business ever since. And he was always a big influence. I'm like, dude, like, you know, you kind of need to do something where you can kind of, you know, work for yourself and kind of run your own schedule. He's like, you might not make the most money in the world, but at least you'll be happy with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, be honest, three or three and a half years ago, I didn't think we would be at this point. So. Yeah. I thought it would take five or six at least. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, thanks to everybody, but that, that's it, man. That's it. Hey, right here at Thanksgiving too. 
thankful for this country we get to live in. Absolutely. Get to do stuff like this. Thankful for you listeners. Just, yes, listen, sir. just listen to the podcast. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Sharing the podcast and just letting your buddies know, hey, man, this is a fun show. I learned stuff from it. It's helped me kill a deer. Share it with people. That's all we ask. That's awesome. Yeah. Everyone share it with your buddies so Andrew can go full time too. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Uh, but okay, back to this episode though. So um, we got all oh, oh, the, the Michael Pike, the Dilla. Man, I. I I almost forgot the Dilla. I know. It's like, man, it's been so long, Mike. I mean, I mean, I mean, you and me got together for the outro for last week, but come on now. The old Dilla's back in the podcast. Yep. Um, I'll say this, probably on this P- outro. So what? PK messaged me and he was like, hey, man, you sound pretty tired last week. I was like, I was tired. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But then the, sta- the statement is, when is Michael not tired? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty true. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we got to work on that bang sponsorship or, or one energy drinks, right? Because you know Michael could just use a couple <laughs> cases himself, you know, every month. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so this episode with uh, Paul Butera uh, was something I was very excited to touch on, which is dry ground tracking. And some people are like. Man, that's you know some people probably read the title and you might be listening to the outro. You might not hey, even listen to the main episode and you're like, what I got to break in right here. I got to break in right here, okay? Because this is all my notes that I took from uh, listening to the podcast. All right. How many times did you call it dry drowned? <laughs> it it could have happened quite a bit. I'll be honest. It could have happened quite a bit. <laughs> it, it was like you could you couldn't even get it out. You was like. You even tried to correct yourself, and you still said it wrong. Yeah. It's like dry ground <laughs> <laughs> instead of dry dry ground tracking. You said dry ground. That, that's a, that sounds harder than saying listener success story. <laughs> it's always like listener success 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 story, <laughs> or this listener sex story. You're like what? <laughs> I've said that. Uh, I've that's said... not in the reviews next time. <laughs> no, dude. I... That'll, be the, that'll be the Patreon late night. Uh, <laughs> Exclusive content. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, dude. No, that, I, fans I, I, that fans only. That fans <laughs> Or only folks. That's all that. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, Mike. Way to derail the conversation, but you're right. No, I was early in the podcast. I was struggling with it a little bit. I was like, man, there's one point. I was like, man, I should have told Andrew to cut this part out, and he didn't. You know, I never even told you so. Of course, you didn't <laughs> no, cut it out. No. I was like, you know, that, that first time I struggled, I was like, I was like, this. I could, I could, I could not get it out. And Paul was probably like, what the hell's wrong with him? But the but the top talk real good where we're from. No, no, it's it's uh it's Alabama for you. So we're trying to play the stereotypes for everybody. (laughs) Makes people have a little more confidence themselves. Um, so no, the episode though was something that was really interesting because it's a topic that I've been always wanting to find somebody that was successful doing, which is again tracking deer without the aid of snow. And if you live in the Southeast, of course, that's very, very rare. We deal with snow. And I know, Michael, you've talked about a couple situations, uh, you know, with some past guests about how much snow can play a factor of learning deer movement and habits if you have snow on the ground for, you know, a decent amount of time. And we just don't, you know, unfortunately in the Deep South have that opportunity very often. Or when we do have the opportunity, it doesn't seem like the snow sticks around long enough for it to really um, you know, aid us in, in, in tracking. Most of the time, you know, it snows and within eight hours it's melted. Yeah. The only time I've ever uh, had snow, like, well, two times actually, uh, there's been two instances and in both instances I learned a lot and actually killed, uh, two really nice bucks, um, on back-to-back hunts, one in an evening hunt and one in the morning hunt, just because you can see exactly where they're going. 
And uh, then the second time was actually in Barber County. Uh, the other was on a private uh, private parcels. But um, in Barber County, I mean, it, it snowed, and I was able to go out there, track the deer, actually find beds, find where natural terrain funnels were because you saw all the trails coming into this one area. And then whenever you saw the doe tracks, where well, they started branching out, I was able to actually find a late-season food source. Like, I mean, there's so much you can learn, and that's only from, like, two to three days worth of snow, like, how much you're able to learn, you know, from, from those experiences. So, uh, dry ground tracking is a lot more difficult, but uh, he really hit on some really good points in the podcast. Yeah, and, you know, one thing I, I find, it if somebody will pay attention. We've had guests on the past talking about tracks and how important tracks are. I think that might've been like a year and a half ago, two years ago, Andrew, when we really get onto like focusing on tracks. I think it was Bennett Toller, that episode we did with him. Uh, I think he's a South Carolina guy. Yep. Um, and it was like, he's hunting sandy places and he was the first one that like really keyed in on tracks. Going around. Yeah, going uh, around wood blocks on fire breaks and stuff and finding tr- uh, tracks, like going in and coming out and, and basically hunting deer that way. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah that's, that, that's, that's what got me started on because people had mentioned it, but he was the one. I, I'll have to go back. I'll link. I'll find that and I'll link it in the show notes. But his episode, he talked about using that to find out where the bucks were, like at that time. Like he'd find the track from that morning going into a wood block, and he'd circle the whole thing. And if it didn't come out, he's like, "Okay, he's in here," mm-hmm. and he'd hunt based off that. Yeah, and that's interesting. But the the whole thing about running with these tracks and keying on tracks. Pay attention to tracks, not only to tell you, like, potentially how, you know, what, what kind of deer in the area. You know, if you're not finding buck sign, keying on those tracks, but also not just finding crossings, but trying to follow those tracks back to a specific spot. And that's something that, you know, we got into quite a bit with Paul, but, I mean, he really pick, keys in on those tracks, finds it close to some buck sign. And the best case scenario is like, okay, he find, he cuts a track. And then he can find a scrape, you know, within a certain distance that he then can find that same track in that scrape and then continue to work that buck back. Um, and it's like, a, it's a really good woodsmanship tool I see. It's like, hey man, if you can really key in on reading the characteristics of a specific buck's track, if that is your goal to hunt a specific buck or a specific age class or size deer based off, you know, hoof size, which again, you can't tell everything about that. But, you know, I've talked to Bobby uh, Worthington about this. He's like, He's never seen a young deer with big feet. He's like, it could happen, but he's like, I've never seen like a two and a half year old or three and a half year old with, you know, huge feet, you know, three and a half to four finger width, you know, track, which is a, you know, really, really big track. Um, so that's something that he would always key in on back in the seventies and eighties. And even now he'll still key in on those big tracks. So I just found that extremely fascinating, but Mike, what's your take? Um, yeah, I'll go ahead and start off with some of the points that I wanted to really drive home and that was um the the type of soil because some places are a lot more um a lot easier to track on and so if you have any kind of like here in alabama we have some uh of our wmas that have like a like a muddy clay type soil and they really hold the tracks a lot longer and are a lot easier to actually track on and if you're going to use you know something like that uh, those places would be ideal for, uh, for starting that versus going to a more mountainous or rocky terrain, because it's going to be a lot more difficult. Um, and two places that jump out 
are uh, Skyline and uh, and Bankhead. It's a little bit more difficult on those areas to to track. Um, I've tracked on on Skyline and tracked back to a deer uh, and jumped it up, but it was right after rain, uh, and you can always tell um, when you're when you're going through the woods, especially like when there's a whole bunch of like uh, hardwood leaves, like different oaks, um, they'll be kicked up and you'll see like darker sides of the leaves and then you'll see uh, lighter color side sides of the leaves. And I guess that's either because of the, maybe it's the sun bleaching some of it out or maybe it's just because water's on one side, I'm not really sure. But you can you can tell the difference in color and, and how it kicked up, and it's a lot easier to go through and track uh, in those types of areas. But uh, back to the point of trying to find an area where the soil type uh, is going to be easier for you to track on. I think that's really key for us down here in the south. I'll be honest. I, I try to ask that question about probably the, the more direct way to do it. I should have just asked directly based off soil type, like – you know, sandy soils versus more clay base versus more um, kind of like that more you know agriculture just that, that has a well, kind of like in a place where you're in a deciduous forest. A lot of times the soil because of all the, the leaf compounds, uh, or the leaf uh, litter on the ground, you know, breaking down over you know years and decades can be pretty light and airy. Uh, some of the soil that you can get, it's like it, it'll hold a track surprisingly well in some of those areas and i found that up in arkansas too up in uh, some of those mountains um and i should have asked more about the soil type and just instead of like overall conditions because i asked him about like you know is there any uh, you know conditions or situations where you know tracking is gonna be easier than not and he pretty much just you know touched on the moisture aspect like hey you know if i get moisture we're good if i don't have moisture you know it's gonna be a lot more tricky um but that's a good point with you know especially for someone green and new getting into this you know if you're in the southeast and you hunt an area or know where you have an area that has more kind of that clay-based soil uh, that's a little bit more, um, how, how would you describe that to somebody that's like maybe not in an area with clay, um, Michael? It's almost like putty. Like, I mean, you if you set something down there, like almost like a, like cookie dough, you know, like whatever you press into it, like it's going to hold that form. Um, it's, I mean, people have played with, you know, Play-Doh or something like that. It's very similar to something like that. Um, and uh, and it, it holds that form. Even even in, in a good rain, and you can usually tell after it rains, like if that's an old track, it's not going to be as well-defined. Um, and that's something you can kind of think about too, is how, how well-defined is the track. Um, and that'll kind of give you an idea about how old the track is. The thing I like about tracks, me and Jacob were talking about this earlier, is, uh, and you guys talked about it on the episode some, was the fact that a deer, a buck doesn't have to like leave a bunch of rubs where he's at, uh, but he he he's leaving tracks when he's walking. He might not always be walking on top of something that's going to leave a good track, but he's always walking around and he's going to step on something where he can leave a track, whereas he can walk past a million saplings and not make a rub. He can walk past a bunch of looking branches, and I use the example of Zach's buck, which if y'all were listening last year, uh, one of my best buddies, Zach Eccles, he shot a huge buck on the the WMA that we all hunt, and 165-inch uh, deer. Uh, I'd seen the deer the year before and filmed it, and we'd scouted in there some for it. And where this buck was living is pretty interesting. Where he was actually 
spent a lot of his time in this thicket. I scouted it several times. Never really found that much buck sign in there. Nothing very impressive. There was uh, like scrapes and everything on the outskirts of it. So there's like there's an SMZ down there, you know, like where where the big creek is. And it's maybe like, I don't know, like maybe a quarter mile, maybe less than that from the thicket he was in to like this big creek drainage with a sizable creek in it, hardwoods. That's where all the buck sign was. There was lots of rubs, lots of scrapes over there. I mean, like very distracting sign. And that's where everybody in there was hunting. The thicket he was living in, there's like nothing in it. There was no rubs to be to be had in there. There there wasn't any scrapes in there. And you go walking through it, and it's all saplings and licking branches. You'd think it should be tore up with him living in there and possibly other bucks, but it wasn't. But that's where he was hiding out. And I remember in the episode, Paul said something along the lines of, well, you know, if they left that much sign, he'd be dead. And I was like, man, that's a good point. I mean, it just made a lot of sense to me. So... Um, there's definitely something to that, something to be paid attention to, you know, just cause there's not a ton of buck sign there. If it makes sense for him to be there, I mean, start looking for tracks. Well, I think you pointed out something important there also is we have a lot of creeks, uh, down where we live, like on usually each side of the ridge. And I think you can walk those creeks and kind of get an idea about, you know, maybe where he's crossing and maybe what ridge system he's on and using um those are areas that have you know a good bit of moisture and uh and will hold those tracks so it's a good place to start if you don't have like a good clay based like road system that's going to hold a bunch of tracks yeah creeks are one of my favorite things by far to find tracks in when i'm going into a new area and we talked about this a little bit uh earlier this year was man if you're if you're going into a new area you've never been there hitting a creek and just walking that joker uh, for like a long ways that's a good way to start especially if you're keying in on something like tracks where you can find a big track crossing that creek and i like the distinction that paul made because man we should write an article for the website that's like uh misconceptions you know because like man everybody i go into the woods with will see like a running splayed out track and be like oh that's a buck track like just because there's dew claws but it's just a running track it's not a very big track either uh, but it's just like something we've been taught, and I I believe that like for a long time until probably like last year. So I'm not knocking anybody, but talking to some of these better deer hunters and and how they look at tracks and how they read tracks, you realize that uh, it's it's just it's not what it always seems. It's maybe not what you've always been taught, and so being able to tell that difference is going to be huge. Because I mean, dude, there's no telling how many hunts and scouting missions I've wasted looking at tracks that I'm like, oh, this is a buck, and it, it was definitely a doe you know that's just yeah something to consider uh, another thing too is like during the rut a lot of these deer are going to be running around a lot more so they can kind of be a little bit more deceiving around that time so um if you're checking around that time of the year then you might want to pay i guess a little bit closer attention to if it's a running track or not man who did we talk we, we went in depth with somebody on tracks one time because the you know, the best way to tell is if you have like a good walking line of tracks, you know, if you crossed a road or something, you can kind of see, uh, if, if the, if the front legs are wider than the back legs, then it's a buck and vice versa. It's a doe. I remember cause I asked that question and Jacob gave me so much crap about asking that question because apparently he'd already answered it like earlier in the episode and I missed it. Who was that? I don't know. We brought up too, uh, if the tracks are, inside of each other or not do you remember that or i remember what was, that what was the which one is it you want for a buck because i i honestly can't remember uh <laughs> i don't know 
I'm going to have to figure out which dang episode this is. But I know that, um, like, if the front if the front feet are wider, then it should be a buck. If the back feet are wider, then it's a doe. Like, as a general rule of thumb. As in distance between left and right hoof. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's an interesting point. Also, one other thing that, you know, Paul really talked about, which I, I, just, I just liked his detail of knowledge when it comes to reading tracks because – I feel like this is something that's just not talked about. It's not, it doesn't sound sexy. It's not, you know, people are like looking at tracks, like, oh man, it's tracks. It's not big rubs and scrapes. I'm like, oh man, everybody gets all jazzed about that. I'm like, dude, if I find a big track, especially like a bit, like a, a set of walking tracks that are just really large, like Mike, what we found up in Tennessee on the old velvet hunt. Yeah. Son. That gets you fired up. Like in multiple sets of them, you're like, okay, <laughs> well, there's a couple good bucks coming through here. But um, to me, that's like the, some of the best sign you can find because. Yeah, a rub, you know, a big rub could be rubbed by any kind of deer. I mean, it could be a small deer, it could be a big deer, who knows? I mean, you know, some people have different thoughts like, you know, you know, diameter tree and all that kind of stuff and the height of the tree, you know, scrapes, kind of the same thing. But if you find that track, that can really confirm, okay, is this potentially like a 150-pound deer or is this a 225-pound deer, potentially? Mm-hmm. Not saying you can say exactly how heavy he is by looking at the track, but you can say, that track has splayed houses and it's like a walking track. They're not really spread out as in like the, the steps. You're like, that deer's got some weight on dude. Mm-hmm. And probably like has some age and kind of like what uh, Paul said, you know, deer get to a certain age, especially, you know, probably five, six, seven years old and, you know, potentially do get a little more flat footed. Like they, they kind of, those, those hills really do kind of start splaying out a lot more. And uh, just from all the ground that they've covered throughout all those years. Um, I thought that was really, really interesting. But again, to me, that can give you a, especially a newer hunter so much more confidence if you're hunting an area and you're like, I'm not seeing bucks hunt, but I'm seeing tracks. Well, start paying more attention to the tracks and really start measuring those tracks with your hand. And we talked about this in the podcast, but I'll mention again, you're measuring by the width, the finger width of that track. So if I'm using my right hand, I'm putting my left index finger on the left hand side of that track of that hoof. And I'm looking on my right hand side, normally it'd be right around the, my ring finger or even you know potentially pinky, of where the other side of that track is from left to right on that side of that track. And if it's three plus finger widths wide and it's a walking track, it's a pretty big deer. Mm-hmm. And I found one in Alabama that was a four finger track, which is unbelievable. And it was a walking track. It wasn't a running track. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, you, you never know, you know what that deer could look like. But like, I mean, I've talked to Bobby uh, Worthington about this a lot. And that was one of the biggest things he keyed in on back in the seventies and eighties, chasing these big bucks is, you know, he'd get up on, he'd get up in a saddle and he'd rake out a spot and make a big clear, like, you know, a big open area that, you know, is bare dirt, bare soil. And, you know, he'd come and check it like a trail camera and f- try to find when that big track was coming through there and see yeah. if it was a big enough track that got him excited to hunt it. Yeah, I've heard that, like, years ago from a, uh, Steve Bartilla, who's uh, he's, he's big with deer and deer hunting, or uh, he was, I don't know if he still is. Uh, he's like a big deer manager guy up in the Midwest. And I was listening to him or reading one of his articles one time, and he was talking about, finding a, a buck's track on like the edge of a bean field or something. And he would take like a twig or something and stick it down in the track and cut it to shape or cut it to width. So it just fits inside that track. And he'd go walking around the property trying to find the track that matches up exactly with the length of that little twig. 
And that's how y'all, he like was. I thought that was pretty slick when I first heard that years ago. I was like, "Hey, okay." Y'all, y'all just took two two of my things from my notes. One was the splayed track, and uh, one was the breaking the stick to measure it. Yeah, <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, Mike, I'll let you kind of take it away. I mean, kind of what's your takes on some of that stuff that you know we covered with the splay track, and again, you know, using a stick or some kind of form of measurement that's a little bit more defined. Yeah, I, I to be honest, I haven't done it, but that's what I I had always heard. So. Um, I was just going to bring it up. So uh, I really liked how Paul was talking about not only using this during deer season, but also the scouting, uh, you know, looking for the tracks during scouting season. Yeah. And like the, let me look, let me think back. Uh, the first buck he killed this year, which is the one he had a little bit of history with, and he had been chasing from, you know, most of October before he took a little break before he came back and hunted and killed that buck. But he had tracked that deer around the whole side of this mountain and found the bedding point based off where all these tracks were leading up to this point and coming off this point. Um, and it was one of those things like he never actually went up to the actual bed. He never actually got up there and bumped him out of his bed necessarily, but he got within 150 yards of it looking at the tracks and they were all going and coming from this one point, the secondary point. And that's how he was able to go in there and, and you know, set up and, and kill that buck in the right conditions. Um, which is, I mean, that's really cool. But, you know, on the flip side, you know, a little bit later on the episode, you hear about Paul killed the second buck he killed this year, which was unlike the first deer where he had a bunch of history with him and kind of had been in the area, you know, really trying to fine tune that buck. The second buck he killed, it was literally, he went in blind, he found a good rub right next to the road, and he literally tracked it back through a swamp up the side of the mountain all the way back to below the secondary point where he was bedded at, found the first scrape that he was hitting that he hit on the way back up and sat up and killed that deer 30 minutes before dark. Man. And I'm like, that, that's, <laughs> that's just awesome. That's not bad right there. And that's something that, you know, I kind of want to talk about is when it comes to the characteristics, and I say characteristics a lot in this podcast. Again, you can make a drinking game if you really wanted to. Um, but the characteristics of a buck's path of travel while you're tracking him can tell you a lot, like he said, about potentially what does this buck look like? You know, is he diving right through a thicket or is he kind of walking the edge of, is he going through blowdowns or is he going clear around him? Is he walking through trees that are 18 inches wide or is he going around all that? You know, kind of tell you potentially, you know, what does this deer look like, but also what is his form of travel that he really likes so that when you actually lose those tracks, learning his personality. Yeah. Well, learn his personality, but also when you're tracking that deer and you lose those tracks, which is going to happen. I mean, it's going to happen at some point you're going to lose the tracks. And then you got to use that woodsmanship of, okay, based off of what I've been following so far in his path of travel, now looking out in front of me, whether I'm in flatland, hill country, or mountains, based off what we had just come through, what is the most likelihood of path of travel from this point on that I can try to go find his tracks on? Yeah, that's pretty slick. That's a that's something that's that's something to think about right there. So that based leads on. into to one of my next notes, what which was uh, if you if you lose the track then back up to where you last had it and then kind of branch branch off in a different direction if you you know if you didn't keep tracking it on that you know route i guess you were on initially and uh i've also heard because i always found you know how blood and uh the benoit brothers and stuff like that like um really interesting stuff and i'd really like to go give that a shot one day but one of the things i've you know, heard or picked up on their podcast before was making a circle. If you lose it, if you lose the track, then to, to do like a big circle, um, and you can pick it back up again. Yeah, absolutely. I do that when I'm blood trailing. Oh yeah. Andrew's a pro at that crap. 
Like if, if you got a wounded deer, Andrew's the guy you want with you. Yeah, man. You you want he's the guy you want like on that bullet trail with you. That that and a couple good dogs. <laughs> no, um, Andrew's like a, Andrew's half mutt when it comes to tracking. Um, and hound dogs hold a lot to me. Man, he found he found a doe back in Tennessee that I shot, but we got on film. I think yeah, we, that, mm-hmm. that video's up, and uh, it was a terrible shot. And I was like, "There's no way we're finding this deer." And it was it was a gut shot. And uh, dude, I mean. We've been up there, and I was like up where I thought the deer was, and Andrew ran right off the side of the hill. I was like, oh, there she is. And I'm like, dude, she was like 80 yards from where, you know, we shot her, whatever, 100 yards from where we shot her, and like way down yeah. in the little draw. And I'm like, dang, man. One deer that I was just like dead wrong on, and that was Michael's doe in Georgia. I was like, yeah, she's alive. I had no hope. And he went out there with the dog the next day and found her. Yep. I was like, oh, well, it took me down a notch. Old, old, uh, <laughs> old no hope Maxwell. Yeah, had a little slice of humble pie. Uh, so uh but you know back to the episode but the characteristics of again following the buck but mike like you said you know you gotta use some common sense if you lose the track okay what's the what's the next best bet you know you're kind of looking at the travel corridors in front of you path to travel you know working up a little bit trying to find tracks circle back around that's something paul talked about in the episode too you know that's why it takes him it can take him so long you know five six seven hours of tracking the deer that's why he kind of start you know early mid-morning and kind of work his way until he tries to find something in the afternoon potentially set up on but y'all were talking about falling creeks earlier and that's something paul talks about later in the episode when he starts talking about uh his hunt in ohio where he had a run-in with a 160 inch buck um and he found the sign found the tracks of his deer and sat up and freaking had him come by at 30 yards and he just couldn't get a shot at him but that was what he was doing. He was staying low, and he talks about this in the episode. The two major factors for uh, dry ground tracking is moisture and starting low. If you're in hill country or anything like that, like starting low in the creek drainages and everything like that, find your track and then work your way up because your track's going to be a lot more crisp and probably easier to find in the bottom than it's going to be up on top of one of these ridges. Um, so that's kind of his perspective. But he was doing that in Ohio, and he hunted there for 10 days, and he said I think it was like eight days he pretty much was doing that. He was like covering ground trying to find a good track to then go off of. And he found some sign and everything like that. But the day he saw that 160, um, you know, he found, you know, the tracks, he found the rubs, he found the scrapes, kept confirming that sign and then got to the point where he lost the sign. So he's like, well, that buck's not working much farther this way and I'm not finding tracks. Circled back to the last point of sign, set up and had the buck come by at 30 yards. Also, another thing, because I know you didn't listen this far into the podcast because it's like, you know, t- over two hours into it. Uh, nothing against y'all. I'm just, just saying for the listeners <laughs> who may or may not have already gone through this whole this episode. This episode dropped today. Yeah, by the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. While we're recording this. Yeah. You yeah, know, and I worked uh, all night, so yeah. Maybe you should listen to it while you're at work, bro. <laughs> I should know because that wouldn't that wouldn't work. It dropped to you were heading on home this morning. Well, no, anyways. But um, one thing he talked about uh, was finding that sign. And sticking with that fresh sign. And what I mean by that, the second buck that he killed, the second buck he's killed this year, he talks about this in the hunt. This is about an hour and 45 minutes into the episode. And he's literally going up the side of this mountain on a fresh track. And he actually sent me photos of the tracks. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like dark soil out there. And you can tell it's got some softness to it, but it's not like clay. Like it's not super crisp. Like it's more like a smear mark of the track. Okay. And he comes up over the top of the ridge and he talks about the episode. He's like, right when I get over the top of the ridge, I take a right on the ridge. And I start finding scrapes and some rubs and stuff, but they're older sign. And I'm thinking older sign, I'm like, okay, four, five, six days old, something like that. He's like, no, it was older like from 24 hours ago, but it wasn't older from when I was tracking this book at nine o'clock this morning. So the track was fresher than the scrape. Yeah, the track, he's like, this track was from this morning. I'm tracking this book at nine o'clock in the morning. So that sign was not, that sign was older than three or four hours old. Did he go into how he 
could tell that track was that fresh. The, just the crispness compared to everything else. Like it was just perfect. Um, and also based off conditions of, yeah. of the day and everything. That's something that you'll get better at with time. Cause that's something I learned when, back when I was trapping a lot was being able to, which that's something that trapping will teach you is, uh, being able to read the freshness of, of tracks and everything, especially when you're, you're running like a dedicated trap line and you go to the same places every single day, once a day, twice a day, sometimes, and you go out there, like let's say every morning and you check them and you see where the tracks are and then you can see how those tracks like weather with the current conditions you're going through because it's always changing uh but after a while you kind of develop an eye for it and you'll you'll be able to look at it and kind of tell like okay this this track uh around the edges based on you know this or that like it hasn't had dew on it yet it hadn't had a frost on it yet or he broke the frost when he stepped right here something it's little things like that. The dew around here, the dew is the biggest thing because we have a heavy dew pretty much every single morning throughout the entire year, and um, and that and you'll be able to tell in a track, you know, if it's had dew on it, it just it won't have that crispness on it. The edges won't be sharp, you know, just general stuff like that. The best way the the best way to tell the freshness of a track is go down a dirt road, have a deer cross in front of you, park right next to where that deer came across the road, get out and look at the track. Yep, and just visually see. Okay, this is what. Literally a track that's thirty seconds old looks like, and then and then go look at a bunch of other tracks, yep. and you know start comparing it to to what that that very fresh track looks like. Go down the road until you cut another set and see what that looks like. You don't know how old it was, but now you have something to compare it to. Well, but back to the part that Paul was talking about when he was coming up and he, he was aging sign, and this is something I found very fascinating because he came up, he came up that ridge on top of the mountain or closer, you know, going up the mountain onto this this ridge, and you know went right. Went right for, you know, sound like probably like 100 yards or so, and it was all old sign. And old sign being like, you know, older than the sign he was finding coming up the hill, okay? So it might have been 12 to 24 hours older older. So he's like, the deer didn't come this way because he didn't hit any of this on the way back this morning. So he's got to, he had to go the other direction. So he turns around, goes the other direction, and instantly, after some distance, finds some super hot scrapes that he had hit that morning right before he went up to bed. And then at the position, he had that, what's that pool thing called? A vernal pool. A vernal pool. Which is like just a it's a kind of wetland. Yeah, it was just you know like a pond up on the side of the mountain, um, and that one of these scrapes was right r- real close to, and then right above it was another secondary point that he was suspecting the bed the buck to be bedded on. He sat up right there on that verdant pool and uh, right next to the scrape, and you know killed that buck that evening, the same day he was tracking him in, killed him that afternoon, thirty minutes before dark. And he said if he would if he would have came up over the ridge and sat up on the sign that was right there that he hadn't touched on the way back up the mountain. That, that deer would have came by him after dark. Like he would have never seen that deer. Um, so I thought that was really kind of interesting. Like like truly, and that's that's woodsmanship. Like it's gonna be hard if you haven't really paid attention to that kind of stuff to really key in on aging of sign of what you're dealing with. But I found that very very fascinating. So yep. If you haven't done it before, you're gonna probably go out there and have a hard time finding the track, and then you're gonna have a hard time staying on the track, and then when you figure those out, you're gonna bump a bunch of deer <laughs> before you learn how to. <laughs> Know where to stop and everything. But it's just a natural process, man. That's how you have to learn it. Yep. There's only so much you can get. You know, the podcast and the information on here is a good starting point, but at the end of the day, you got to go flesh it out yourself. Absolutely. Well, Mike, you have any uh, any tidbits on, like, the, the aging of sign, like, you know, buck sign, scrapes, rub, stuff like that? The only thing you could add is earlier you were mentioning what a fresh track looks like. Uh, I would say that if you get, like, a light rain to go – look at that track again and see how it looks after that. That way you can kind of tell 
you know, the difference. Yeah, so, another thing I do I, whenever I'm walking in and the road's kind of muddy, I always intentionally kind of walk in the muddy spots to leave my tracks there. Um, even though, you know, it might not be the best idea from, you know, people walking in there, potentially following you or whatever if you're hunting public land. I'm not, I'm not really Man, worried is, about what, that. What really. a celebrity over here. Man, people <laughs> following them. Lord. Well, some people, I man, I know people who like will not leave tracks behind a gate because they're afraid of like, you know, people walking in and like trying to follow him and like, oh, somebody else is hunting here. It must be a good spot, which I get. But I always try to leave my tracks in the mud. And then when I'm coming back out, I try to see if a deer's stepped on top of my track, which I happens, you know, pretty often. Or turkey hunting and they walk right by your truck. Well, yeah, he did, and he didn't make it that morning. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking. I was like, I was oh, right man. on his tail. Yeah, man, this is some fresh tracks right here next to the trucks. So you walk across the road, drop it off the bottom, boom, boom. Yeah. Yeah, he, he didn't have, he didn't stand a chance. Jacob had some feathers stuck in his door. Hand yeah, I was so, com- I was so confused, so confused. You're like, oh, you must have missed. He had no faith. You're like, yeah. oh, you must have missed one. Dude, I thought he, yeah, I thought Andrew missed. <laughs> he's like, he was just showing he missed a turkey by putting feathers. You know, like it was, it was like breast feathers or something. No, no faith. No I was like, oh man, he just freaking. He, yeah, I was he, thinking. I was like, yeah, I'll pull out some breast feathers because he'll know I killed it. Because how else would I get these breast feathers? Shot him low, baby. Shot him low. <laughs> Shot him low. No, um, body punched him. Yeah, body punched him. Man, we got sidetracked on this. Mike's like, man, get get off this turkey stuff. <laughs> um, no, hey, so Mike, one thing I wanted to bring up, talking about Ohio again with uh, Paul, when he's talking about working these bottoms, one thing that he noticed while he was up there, and um, he thought it was interesting. He listened to ep- that episode with uh, Clifton Denny. Or Clifton was talking about with you know, a little bit higher wind velocities, those bucks, you know, cruising that bottom quarter of the ridge. And he said he noticed that like very much out there. Like that big buck was cruising. Uh, he said it was like at the 900 elevation line, 900 foot elevation line, which was like the bottom quarter of all the ridges. And that's where all the big buck sign was at, was at that elevation line where they were just a quarter of the ridge up from the bottom. And that's where they were cruising at the whole time. Yeah, I found that 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 was really, really something interesting as well. And also, he was saying he was seeing where uh, these bucks at that elevation line, um, you know, were cruising through the bottom of these big bowls or these big thermal hubs. You know, just staying super, super, super low. Like all the does were up high in the bowls and the, and the hubs, and those bucks were staying real far low down, uh, kind of cruising through, catching all those falling thermals. So I was like, man, you know, it's kind of cool to kind of see all that. And also, speak about that, Mike, I don't know if you've been on the, the Honeybees forum lately. I got on uh, a couple days ago. Maybe it was yesterday. And uh, maybe it was today. Um, and there is – there's no – I got off the, off the forum. We're going to try to interview. I'm pretty excited about it. Anyways, <laughs> old boy's got to text me. Um, but there was somebody that made a post talking about seeing these mature bucks cruising at that bottom fourth elevation line. Kind of like, again, right off the bottom, you know, a quarter of the way up the ridge, seeing a lot of that sign and those bucks kind of moving through there instead of that top third or anything like that, like kind of traditionally, you know, heard about. So I kind of was going through the thread. I thought it was pretty interesting. So, you know, other guys. And I don't think it had to do anything with Clifton's episode. It was just a topic that got brought up on the pod, on the uh, the forum. So Cruiser Saddles is the newest addition to companies supporting this podcast. Cruiser is the maker of saddles and saddle hunting gear. Uh, me and Jacob actually met Chad, the owner, at our Bozen Brews event in March of 2020. We were demoing a lot of different saddles there from a lot of different companies, and he showed up with his products, which were brand new at the time, and everybody there was extremely impressed with them, including me and Jacob. We ended up getting some of the saddles for this past hunting season and used them all year from, basically, we started hunting in August and hunted until February. No complaints, really liked them. The durability was there, the comfort was there, the wearability was there, you know, walking in and out to the stand, so we are very impressed. You can go back to some of the 
the episodes from last year and actually hear us, you know, live through the season talking about these things. We talked about them a lot in the podcast from last year's season. Just really impressed, and we think you would like them too. So go to their website and check them out. We ran the XC order ship the same day or next day unless otherwise indicated, and you get free shipping on orders over three hundred dollars. We really appreciate Cruiser for supporting this show. You guys go show them some support as well. This podcast is supported by Mark's Outdoors. If you're from around Birmingham, you know of a a staple in the hunting community here, and that would be Mark's Outdoors. They've been in business in the same location for over 40 years, family-owned and operated, and they have a reputation for being one of the best bow shops in the southeast. As we inch closer and closer to deer season, if you haven't already, it's time to dust off that bow and make sure that she's ready to roll for this hunting season. Go stop by Mark's Outdoors and check out their archery counter with Mark and Robbie, two guys I've known for years, excellent bow techs. They've worked on my bow since I started bow hunting. They got all the knowledge and accessories that you need to get ready to rock for this bow season. While you're in there, also make sure you check out their gun counter. They got a ton of nice rifles, from everything from AR platforms to nice deer rifles, and a bunch of nice shotguns as well. They also have one of the best knife selections in Alabama. I mean, really nice stuff. All kinds of custom knives in there, and their ammo selection is just unbeatable as well. We're thrilled to have Mark's Outdoors on board. We thank them for supporting the podcast. Now we're going to ask you guys to go support them. Hunting Gear Deals is dedicated to helping the hunting community find the best deals on hunting gear from across the web. Each day they scour the web for deals, sales, and coupon codes on hunting gear to help you save time and money on your next purchase. Head on over to huntinggeardeals.com and join their daily deal email list. Each day you'll receive deals that are emailed to you uh, from across the country on the best sales and promos that are going on for that day for your favorite hunting equipment. If you're a gear fanatic like us, then be sure to check out their extensive collection of unbiased and honest gear reviews submitted by hunters from across the country just like yourself. Black Friday and Cyber Monday is coming up, so when you're out shopping for yourself or for Christmas gifts, make sure that you check out Hunting Gear Deals for some great finds. Hunting Gear Deals is your number one resource during Black Friday and Cyber Monday for hunting-related deals across the web. During these special sales events, Hunting Gear Deals compiles a huge list of all the best hunting-related deals in one place, saving you time and money. Make sure to go click the link in the show notes to go visit HuntingGearDeals.com and see all the great deals they have right now. Houndstooth Game Calls is your home for turkey calls this spring. Go check them out. They got all the classic turkey calls. You know, they got the pot calls and the box calls and the mouth calls, but they also got a couple really interesting calls. One of them is called the the success call, and you just need to go look it up. It's very, it's like a box call that you can work with one hand. It's really, really cool. Sounds incredible. They also got the Spur Master, which is another very unique call that you can get some really unique, clean tones out of. They're going to help you out this turkey season. Use the promo code SOP20 to get 15% off of your order at Houndstooth Game Calls. That's SOP24. Use it at checkout. It helps the podcast. I'd really like to know, like, when they're seeing this, like, are the roads up top? Are they in the bottom? Like, stuff like that, because that kind of stuff gets my wheels turning. Um, You know, like, why is the deer down there versus up top kind of the thing? Did y'all have any, did y'all have any questions? maybe from this episode that you would you would like to get answered or yes or just curious about yes absolutely how are these bucks navigating through the woods without being seen on these trail cameras so yeah i don't know if y'all got to the point of this episode where where um actually i know y'all didn't because it's good ways in there there's a lot of there's a lot of meat a little bit later on the podcast um 
But Paul talks about he tracked one buck, and it was actually the big deer he killed last year, like 156-inch, 8-point or 10-point. He's a real big deer. And he tracked that buck past, I think it was eight trail cameras, and he never took a path where he was on camera. Oh, really? That's interesting. I know. See, I thought, you know, you know, I knew if y'all had heard that, y'all would have brought that up. That's why, that's yeah. why, that's why I'm here yeah. for. No, so I didn't that, hear that. That, that professional host. You <laughs> didn't know. make it that far yet. No, I didn't make it that far. But when you do, it gets y'all jazzed up. But hey, yeah. I was in the middle of listening to it earlier, and you called me, and you interrupted my listening. That's why I, that's why I didn't get through it, because we talked for like 55 minutes on the phone You should have hung up with me. Hey, man, I, you know, we're, we're working here. I got to do my homework. Yeah. No, but... He, he talks about, again, tracking this one buck. And it was a big deer he'd been trying to kill for a couple of years and literally tracking him around eight guys' trail cameras. And he said he'd get within 25 yards of the camera, but never in front of the camera. So all, all these guys' cameras were on the major travel corridors, and the buck was strategically not going down those travel corridors, going around the cameras. So I brought the question to him. So I, brought, I told Paul, Paul, I was like, you know, I, I've heard from other guys that, you know, some big buck killers – that maybe don't like to run trail cameras, or they run trail cameras maybe at an, at an elevated position because a buck, for whatever reason, especially mature buck, he's been around, he's seen it all, and if he sees that camera, senses that camera, he's going to kind of wig out and, and stop using that one travel path right there, that corridor. And uh, and Paul's like, yeah, absolutely. He's like, he's like, you know, and I, he's like, they're probably not going to be, they're not going to leave, but they're not going to come right there. He's like, they may be 20 yards from your camera, still coming through that opening, that gap, whatever it is, uh, that these other deer are coming through, they're kind of going. He's kind of going around it, but he's still going to be there. You're just not going to see him on camera. So it gives you the illusion, man. I got no big bucks on camera. Oh man, he was a traveler buck. No big bucks on camera, and that's exactly what Bill Thompson talked about. Like the first time we ever had him on, mm-hmm. we're like, oh man, this big old seven and a half year old buck on this Louisiana lease. All these guys, are like, oh man, it's a big old traveler buck, man. He he never stays around here. Well, he lives on he that. Shows same, up in the right. He's on that property all year long, within two hundred yards of all these guys' stands, and he's just not coming to the bait piles, and he's not really showing up on trail camera unless he's bumping does. And he's like, they're like, oh, he's a traveler buck. Well, no, that buck was there the whole time. Same thing with all these trail cameras, and that's something Paul touched on. Is like that buck. You might get one image of the buck, and then he just might not show up on that camera again. But he's in that area, mm-hmm. so you might not go hunt it thinking like, oh man, I got no big deer. But if you would have gone and sat where your trail camera was at, you probably would have had a thirty yard shot at him. And he he actually asked one one of the bucks he killed. It might have been the one from this year because uh, other guys knew about it. And he was asking him like, "Hey, you know, did you get a trail camera photo? Oh yeah, I mean, I got a photo of that buck." And he asked, "You know, how many photos did you get of him?" He's like, "Oh, just one." And these guys were like getting just one image of the buck, but the buck was still in the area. He just saw the camera and did not come through that one spot. Yeah, wherever I, the camera's at. I do that. I'm. I think about that a lot when I'm putting trail cameras out. I try to be super conscious of it because I never try to put a camera where it's like looking down a trail and it's like eye level with them because I feel like they can see it or like that infrared flash. I feel like maybe they can see that, but they're just more aware of it. And uh, I even had an instance a couple years ago where I it was like when I first started using video, uh, the video cut on. There was two bucks walking in front of my camera and the video cut on and they both instantly stopped looked straight at the camera, stood there for like five seconds and then ran off. And like, I, I'd pulled that card and I went home and I was watching the video on my computer and uh, I, I clicked to that one and I saw that and I went and got back in the truck and drove out there and grabbed the camera and pulled it. Well, so I brought this up to Paul when he was talking about the trail cameras and this, this big buck was navigating through around all these guys' trail cameras and he never would be on in, on camera because the way he'd go around them. And I, I, told Tom, I told him like Thomas, my brother up in Arkansas, he had a really nice buck on camera. Uh, you know, probably it looks like a four and a half, five and a half year old buck. He's 
you know, eight point, probably looks like 125 inches. It's a really, really nice deer. And um, it head on video mode down in the swamp. And this buck, he comes right around this brush pile on the camera. And he walks, I mean, he's probably eight yards from the camera. And he does hits a brick wall. And it's, it's dark. And he's looking at it. He looks at it, looks right, looks at it, looks right, looks left. There's a little, you know, tail flick. And then he like walks forward a couple steps. And he's like, nope, I'm leaving. And he turned and walked right back. And he has not had another image of that deer since. And it's an area that has a ton of deer like coming through there. And I'm like, he's, I told Thomas, I'm like, dude, he's still coming through. He's just not coming through that spot. Like he got wigged out and that buck's got some age on. There's a lot of hunters in that area. I'm like, he's, he's going around another way now, but he's in the area. Um, so I, I just wonder about that, you know, and Paul just kind of, you know, kind of confirm it. Cause you know, he runs a lot of trail cameras, but one thing Paul does, he puts all of his, I say all of his trail cameras, probably if I had to guess from the camera photos he sent me, it seems like 90 plus percent of his cameras are hung up high in elevation angled down. Yeah, that's what I always try to do. And it's like, you know, I'm talking probably, they're probably eight feet up, angled down. Probably both, you know, he's, he's got black bears in a lot of places he hunts, and they love cameras, eating on cameras. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and they're also hunters. But, you know, having them angled like that, you just have a, a lot better odds of that deer not seeing that camera. Yeah, I, I do the same thing for that reason. Um, and also, I, I think it widens your, uh, like, your how your motion detection thing. Uh, I feel like the deer, it's easier for the deer to trip that when it's high up just because of the angle. Um, and I feel like you can usually see more stuff, but that's really one of the main reasons that I always try to do that is to avoid them seeing it. Like I want it above their head where it's not going to be in their line of sight at all. Like they're just probably not going to look up there and see it. It blends in well. Um, so whenever it's possible, I always try to, and, and like, I've never had a camera hung up stolen on public land like that. I mean, it just, it, it just never happens. And I, and I get people on camera sometimes, depending on where the camera's at. But you, you get people that you know on camera. <laughs> yeah, JT walked in front of my cell camera the other day. I was like, ah, you joker. He's <laughs> like, <laughs> so get that tin out of there, boy. Yeah, I knew he was walking in there. Yeah. <laughs> I got the picture. I, I sent Dude, it to him. I was like, who's this joker? There, by the way, there's a trail camera. Um, God, I'm trying to think who. I can't remember the name of the company that makes it, but it's a cell camera. But it has a two-way voice like microphone on it so what? yeah so like it, it's it's set up for a security camera but it's a cell camera so you can you can use it for deer hunting whatever but it has a two-way it has a two-way microphone it has it also has live stream video where like you can just click on it like you just go to your app click it and you can see what's happening see right what's now what's going on yeah it's but super expensive um <coughs> but uh anyways and this old boy was telling me he, he got one he's like yeah man he's like man you know suppose I, there might be a sensor i, I might be full of crap with this but i think he said there might be some kind of sensor someone's trying to open it or whatever but like you can like hop on it real quick and be like hey man what's going on man and like talk to him through, through the through the uh, camera oh that'd be great yeah and like, hey dude what's going on oh yeah dude you watch some does walking by and be like Meh, and see if dude, they stop dude i'd have a uh i'd have a voice recording something terrifying sounding <laughs> Like, like, dude, like something terrifying. Someone coming through in the dark, bro. I see someone coming through with a headlight, bro. Uh, just, just, oh. just gotta automate. Anyways, no, nah, I'm just joking here. Start playing some creepy noises. It's yeah. like that video, that turkey hunting video you did with Catman, where he was like, uh, he was joking around. <laughs> he was like, he was like, yeah, when I see people in the woods <laughs> before daylight, <laughs> I like to just switch off my headlamp and run at them. <laughs> It's like I like to be silent, and not make any sound, but just run so they just hear me running. <laughs> be all creepy like that. 
Man, I didn't know because like, golly, when I was editing that video, you didn't tell me about that. And I got to that part and I was just rolling. Man, oh my we should We should share that video again. That's on YouTube channel. Yeah, that's hilarious. Old Jonathan Bone, Catman Outdoors. Oh, that's funny. Dude. <laughs> that was so funny. That was like, hilarious. Because like, it turned my head. He's like, I like to run at him real creepy like. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. That's awesome. Well, hey, uh, another thing about this episode, which, again, you guys should have probably got to it because it was kind of early on the episode, which was um, Paul discussed about how 95% of his season, he's on the ground, you know, scouting, tracking deer, trying to figure them out, and only about roughly 5% of the time of his season, he's actually in the tree stand. But of that 5%, he's a very high um, – success rate not only killing well of course killing deer but also having a visual encounter of one of those bucks within bow range so you know that's something i find that's really really interesting so he, he mentioned on the podcast he's had it's it's like late november now okay he's only sat in a tree stand eight times this whole season but he's hunted every single day oh wow so every single day of the season he's hunted but he's only been in a tree stand eight times because he he as he says in the podcast he does not set up Unless he knows he has the opportunity of a big buck, it's like no hanging and hoping. It's it's going to happen, I'm or glad I'm not. You moving. brought that up. That I was I wanted to bring that up, and I'd forgotten about that. That's a good. That's kind of the approach I'm taking this year, um, just with like my limited time and everything. But like my time is so limited that instead of throwing blind sits at stuff, I've just been scouting. So like the last four or five times I went to the woods, I was just scouting. I was just walking. I was putting out cameras. I was looking for rubs. I was looking at creek crossings and stuff. And uh, I gave up a bunch of days of quote-unquote hunting, like where I would just be sitting in the stand. Uh, and instead of just sitting in the stand somewhere, I was walking and trying to find stuff. And then, you know, finally got sick and then went to a little easy spot, killed me a doe. <laughs> That's about it. Oh, yeah. Mike, I haven't went to my good spot. Still haven't been to my good spot. Dude, you, you didn't even tell Mike you shot a doe. Oh, yeah, Mike. I shot a doe. Broke the ice. Yeah, I was going to say I didn't, uh, I didn't even know. Dang, Damn, dude. Damn, popped her yesterday. It felt good. Got my mama her doe. Now my sister's next on the list, and then my father-in-law wants one. So I got two more does to So shoot. as uh, Wes Moe would say, Andrew's killing all the bait before the rut happens. Hey, I didn't kill her in my rut spot. I didn't kill her in my <laughs> rut spot. Oh, man. Anyway, uh, man, that could be a pretty good rut spot, though, where you shot her at. It could be. I'm proud of myself. Man, I love that Christensen because that's the sec- I've killed four deer with it now. That's the second one I've free-handed. And I, dude, just... If it's so natural to shoot with that rifle, it's a, it's I really like that thing. It's not for and they're not, they're not sponsored us. Hold on a second. Man. I know they're not sponsoring us or anything. Uh, they need to buy some ads on the show. That would help us out. Oh, that'd be awesome. That would help. That help Jacob afford a, a nicer meal. <laughs> so, anyways, but yeah, I love that thing, dude. She was like, it's a pretty goofy story, Mike, uh, how I got her. But anyways. Same, I mean, same thing. I try to, I'm trying to scout more this year and make those sits actually count. I just don't see much of a point in going and sitting in the stand somewhere if I'm not sure that, like he's talking about, I'm going to kill something. And with my limited time, you know, the rut's coming up. My mindset's been kind of like, okay, I could go hunt some of like these feed trees and stuff, or I could literally just scout and scout and scout and scout and scout all the way up to the rut, and then and then I'll be ready when the rut gets here, hopefully. And I'll be like real keyed up to where the deer are. I'll know where those travel corridors are. And I'm, I'm going to be able to go in and capitalize on those spots with a lot of intel leading up to it. So, yeah, the whole 95% of the time, you know, on the ground, I found was interesting. It's like hunting with confidence. I'll say this. If you did that 
as a weakened warrior, you're probably not going to be hunting them a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're just not. And if you're in like, I mean, states, yeah, it's my situation. I'm, I'm, but I'm saying, like, if you're in one of these states when, like, you know, you, your bow season's, you know, three, four weeks long, and then you get gun season for a couple weeks, and then, you know, season's almost out, like in some of these Midwestern states. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a different, because if you don't have a whole bunch of time. So what I would say is, like, take it with a grain of salt of, like, what he's doing, because, you know, he gets to hunt a whole bunch, and he's truly trying. Now, he's trying to, I'll say this, Paul's also trying to find, he's not looking for just a buck. He's looking for the one of the older, more mature bucks in the area. Whether he's got 160 inches on his head or he's 125 inches, it, it, it's it's fair game, okay. So as you know, as long as he's an older, bigger buck, bigger body buck, but it's like you know, if you're just out there for you know a good deer, yes, I think the scouting aspect is going to teach you so much more in season scouting, figuring out exactly where these bucks are at, and using some of these tracking skills, going back to figuring out these hubs of activity where these deer want to be at and these bucks want to be at, and then dude, you got to put a little bit of time in the stand too. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that you know. For the average guy. But again, it's almost two-handed. You can still hunt blind and be successful, like Clifton Denny had on last week's episode. Even Paul Viterra talked about hunting blind. But you have to have some common sense. You don't just go, I'm just going to go sit here, just go sit here. Yeah. Even though there's people that kill giants every single year doing that. All right, so that pretty much wraps up, though, Paul's episode. Again, thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, you know, guys, of course, if you enjoyed it, share share it with a buddy. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, too. But in other news, Mike, what you got going on with you? I got a new vehicle, and I got a new gun, a new scope. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about the, the new vehicle. The, yeah, Mike's got a little... A little buckmobile. Yeah, this is a sweet little ride, my man. Yeah, yeah I went to uh, I went to the Walmarts earlier, and... Uh, and got me a pad for the for the back little platform I got going on in the back. Um, so I should uh, should have some four inches of memory foam now to make it more comfortable. And what is this ride you're talking about? What, what's the vehicle you got? You got to give some background because we don't know what you're talking about, my man. So it's a uh, Lexus GX470. It's a 2007. Um, it has the first gen uh, Tundra. Uh, V8 engine in it, so it's got the million mile engine in it. 200,000 miles on her, uh, but it's uh, all time all wheel drive and it's four wheel drive and uh, center diff lock. I got it all set up. Got a little, I took out the the third row seats and half of the second row seats, and so I can fully sprawl out in there in the back and and sleep in any kind of weather conditions. So uh, I'm pretty, pretty pumped about it. And it's a uh, a lot a lot smoother of a ride than uh, <laughs> that big old jacked up truck. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's funny. It's like, man, man people, guys are listening like a Lexus. Now, unless our car guy, they're like, oh man, that's that's sweet. You know, old, old uh, four sixty or I'm sorry, four seventy. My bad. Yep. Upgraded model. Well, it's four sixty, but no, he's a, he's a four seventy kind of guy. No, the GXs, dude. Those are freaking sweet. So I guess it's. You know, you know, not to get too sidetracked on this with the vehicles, but so Lexus and Toyota, you know, manufacturing and everything, you know, pretty much in, as in one. I'm sure there's some car geeks like, oh no, there's you know different things. But anyways, the uh, that the GX470 is pretty much like the Lexus's version of uh, which vehicle from Toyota? It's the Land, <clears throat> Land Cruiser. Yeah, it's built on the Land Cruiser platform. the The European version is called the Prado 120, I think. It's a uh, very very off road capable. And uh, they're more marketed to, like, soccer moms here in the U.S. So, like, all of them are in really good condition. They have really good service uh, records. 
and um it's got that million mile motor so it's um it's a pretty good pretty good steel i mean they come factory with uh leather interior of course you got the third row seating i mean it's got all the bells and whistles on everything is is power like when i hop in and put the key in the ignition the steering wheel comes out towards me and then raises up and like i mean it's it's got a little bit of everything like the even the door handles are lit yeah like so you're not searching for the door handle like there's a a little small light above each one like i mean it's uh it's bougie that's what Very I was gonna, that, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah, I was like, oh, my mic. Sounds like my truck. My truck does that same stuff, dude. When I got it, I was like, look what my truck does. <laughs> I mean, like, it's no Clay Clay Harper bougie with that uh the GMC AT4. Yeah, his truck is ridiculous. I'm like, God, man. <laughs> I mean, take out the second mortgage on the house, baby. <laughs> it, it's, it's sweet, Clay. You got an awesome truck. I know you listen to the podcast right now, but awesome <laughs> truck, bro. <laughs> It's uh, oh man, but no, dude. The uh, uh, GX four seventy that's gonna be a sweet rig. So, uh, just for some people that may care, I don't know. We might have to do this in some of the outros as you do some of the modifications on it. What's some of the uh, the first things you're gonna be kind of doing to it to kind of get it out of soccer? I mean, you've already done some, you know, taking out the third row seating and half of the second row seating. But how are you gonna get it out of that soccer mom mentality into a big buck slayer? Uh, you know, uh, mobile rig. The plan, the plan right now is put a three-inch lift on it and either 33s or 35s. Um, With the old body chop? Uh, the old body chop? Yeah, the old, the old body chop if I go 35s. I won't have to with 33s, but um, then uh, get an aftermarket bumper and aftermarket headlights and uh, fog lights. and It's probably going to have a roof rack on it and uh, some storage up top. That way I can carry more gear on these out-of-state trips and not be cramped in there so also plan on getting like a little jackery system that way i can power everything on the inside yeah that'd be awesome dude hey are you gonna take that rig up to uh iowa for the uh, second shotgun hunt uh i'm contemplating it right now i may because if, um, if not bro listen if not man you and clay bro y'all gonna be y'all gonna be bunk buddies i know, <laughs> I know. Uh, and we'll get into that when we do the outro for the for our little trip that was a big hindrance for both of us um i feel like in my opinion yep um so i think it'd be good it, it's gonna be a really really long trip um up there and um i probably if i want a job i probably need to drive up there because i'll have to miss two weekends again so that'll be like a, a month of missing work and like a two month period. So since I only work weekend, so no, I was going to say that that was one thing I thought about just while we're talking about the Iowa trip. Cause me and Mr. Perry, uh, drew that, uh, late muzzleloader hunt. And I, that's what I'm debating. I'm like, did I kind of want to take my own truck too? like him take his truck? I take my truck. Um, just so we can kind of stay mobile. And if we need to split up, we can and all that kind of stuff. Cause that's the one issue when you hunt together and nothing against it. Like me and Andrew done it. Like when we first went to Wyoming, it's fine you're hunting together, but sometimes you're like, okay, Maybe we separate and figure out, you know, figure out where they're at. Yeah, and then once we find them, man, we find them, you know, a nice bachelor group. We'll come and move on and do the all three, two, one countdown. Well, yeah, that and man, I I know a lot of guys who, especially western trips, especially specifically elk hunts, uh, <clears throat> who go out west and they'll go on this big trip with their buddies and they all take one car and then one guy will have like, I don't know, like especially with elk hunting, they'll have like they can't handle it physically. 
and they'll, they'll go home early. Well, then everybody goes home early. So it, it helps to have that. Just in case something comes up, you, someone has a family emergency or something and has to go home, it's good to have those multiple cars. And like the lodging, if you're sleeping in your cars, dude, I always think about our first trip to Wyoming, like uh, both sleeping in like a single cab. Single board. cab, F-150, with no cruise control. Work truck, 17 hours. No power windows. Or 1,700 miles one way each way. Yeah. 30 hour round, 30 hour trip. 30, no, 30 hours there. Yeah, 30 hours 30 there. 30 hours back. That's, that's what I'm saying. And, dude, it, well, it was brutal. But, hey, it's, it's all for good experience, yeah. man. But, yes. Yeah, I'll say, dude, that the, the experience of being able to have multiple cars to split up, that'll give you such a huge advantage, especially in a place like Iowa where you can glass and stuff. Well, also, the thing is, you got to look at, like, logistically, gas. Oh, yeah, especially right now. <clears throat> yeah, these that, days. Was, that was my big thing. Uh the, the the gas and just the being able to switch drivers on that long of a trip Ooh, um, yeah because you know you're gonna have to take breaks and, and probably take a nap at some point um how far, how far is that where y'all are going it's, it's a long ways it's like it's well, generally how long is it was it like 17 hours it was like is that what it was between 14 and 17 i think dang well it's, no it's probably is 17 because that's further than i thought it was yeah it's far as crap it dude. took me like 12 hours to get to madison wisconsin that's a, that's a joke that's on like eastern side of yeah yeah i guess so oh i feel like it's not that far it's not that much further to iowa isn't it well i guess i mean i, don't, I guess it's about yeah, two hours of, further you, know, you got some lot of specifics for me well, you know, I was a big state. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what quarter are you going to? Oh, uh, well, I was like the one point or, or, unit. Y'all drew yeah, yeah, yeah. with no, no points. No, 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 no. So we're in southeastern, south, southeastern Iowa. No, yeah. you're not. <laughs> you don't know. You isn't, that, isn't that like the six point unit? <laughs> Southeast Iowa. Pre- preference points or, or antler size? <laughs> <laughs> Which part of Iowa is the hard one to draw? Southeast, right? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you're full of it. <laughs> See, Mike, Andrew's blowing our cover, dude. Dude, it's all good. I don't Michael know. doesn't care. Well, yeah, I don't I'd, care. I'll I don't tell Michael right care. now. Mike. Jacob's like, I'm going to this place I'll never go back to again. Don't tell anybody. Lies. <laughs> That's the point. Lies. All right, anyways. All right, let's get off this conversation. Let's <laughs> <So, laughs> mosey he's, on. He's squirming. So, <laughs> so, also, so also got me a new gun, a new scope. Um, yeah, what did you get, for, dude? For Iowa, I got a uh, 450 Bushmaster. Ooh, Ooh. bringing the heat, baby. Yes, sir. And, uh, dude, that thing blows freaking holes in targets <laughs> at 100 yards. Well, I mean, I like, like, I shot one and, like, the whole orange thing disappeared in the center of the target. Just about. <laughs> but, that's, as long as you're hitting balls over. When, when I'm putting the stickers, you know, on the target, like, I'm having to put, like, three stickers to cover up the hole. <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, it just it just obliterates. Um, but um, I also got me a uh, a Leupold VX6 HD uh, 212 by 42. Uh, so I'm uh I'm trying to be like old Jacob Myers. I think you got the what three to fifteen by forty five or something or forty four. Forty four, yeah, yeah, three by God, you got me all distracted now. Yeah. Um, yeah, the VX five. Yep, VX yeah. VX five. Um, yeah, three by fifteen. Uh, great dude, great optic, awesome optic. And I get the fire. Did you get the fire dot? Yeah, yeah, it's got the fire dot. Oh, dude, that's nice. that's it, man. That's yeah. the ticket, that's son. The ticket. Yeah, 
It's a it's a yeah. lit uh, center point reticle. So it's you know it's a traditional duplex sight, but the center point of the actual crosshairs is a uh, not even I don't say it's fiber optic, but anyways it's it's lit, um, and you can turn it on and off and just brightness, and it is killer, dude. Awesome. Yeah. I I think my favorite part about the scope is uh, the field of view. Like, mm. I mean, it feels like when you, when you got it on the two power. I mean, it feels like I can see like fifty yards wide. Like, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's like almost like open sights. Like, if you had like a really good eye relief on it, which I mean, it's got if they have a good eye relief, but it's not like you can like freaking keep your head back off the stock and look through like a red dot, but. Um, yeah, the field of view is awesome. That was one thing you said about mine, even on three power, you know, the field of view is so much more compared to your three power on your, uh, Trigicon, right. your Trigicon. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My Trigicon, I feel like you got to have your eye in just the right spot to, to be able to, you know. Yeah. It's got short, short eye relief and a very narrow, uh, what do they call it? A viewing box or whatever. Like you have to be centered just perfectly behind it. Uh, for those these Louisville's of the VX series, uh, which you, so you got a VX is a VX six VX VX six. Oh man, you're so H- HD. Trying to outdo yeah. me. I'm trying to outdo me, son. <laughs> outdo me, dude. So, yeah, he's gonna have to go get an, another scope now, Andrew. Well, no, he's no. gonna have to get Lupo to send him one. He's in the poorhouse yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, no, not right now. Not where you know podcast is doing good, but you know we we gotta we gotta. You got to crank some stuff up, which is uh, give me my goal the next uh, Anybody sixty days. Blue pod listening, <laughs> help Jacob out. Yeah, oh, man, that'd be awesome. Shout out American Made, baby. Hey. Um. Anyways, okay. So, all right. So the so what was the gun? I mean, it's it's a you said it's a uh, four fifty Bushmaster, but what's the brand? What are we talking here? Uh, it's the Ruger. Ah. Nice. So and how's it shooting, dude? Is it a Ruger American series? Yep. Sweet. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, it's uh it's shooting good. I mean, it's no tack driver, but or at least with me. Um, let's be honest. Know, let's pretty, be honest here, Mike. I, I really do pretty, pretty, pretty good at the range. Um, though, even, you know, with, with the other guns I've had, that's never the issue. The issue is usually when the, when the bucks in my face. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's, it doesn't, I don't feel like it does quite as good. Uh, at least at a hundred yards. I mean, uh, closer, like 50. I mean, I was, I was, doing a lot better i feel like at that distance than at 100 maybe it's maybe some of it was just me but um but i had it on the uh the tripod so um the the bog pod uh, so yeah i feel like i feel like some of it was the gun yeah but um hey let me ask you this um so some listeners are probably wondering like why did you buy a uh, 450 bushmaster uh, can you talk a little bit about requirements for uh, Iowa and kind of the reason why you're, you know, you bought a straight wall cartridge rifle? Yeah, because uh, they allow that in the uh, the shotgun season, uh, the straight wall cartridge. So, um, since I don't, uh, I don't have a shotgun set up, um, I figured I would just kill two birds with one stone. And you know, I hunt a lot of thicker brush uh, here in the South. Um, if I am gun hunting. Um, I'm not the best at, at long distance shots, so I figured it'd be more beneficial for me to, to get a, that type of a gun versus something that, you know, I could shoot out to like 400 yards, but couldn't really shoot out to probably a hundred yards. So, yep. Sweet dude. Well, that's going to be pretty awesome. I'm not going to lie. Um, uh, yeah, I've just got the old muzzy, old muzzle loader for this hunt, man. Going to. Oh, 
know, Iowa breaking it in. You know, probably probably have a primer not work on me. But John, hey, if anybody out there's got some primers, they're looking to offload. Me and JT could use some. Yeah, if, you get, if anybody has some extra muzzleloader primers, please reach out to the podcast. Yeah, I'll send you some de- decals. Well, we got so on, on some of the places we hunt this year. They uh, they added more muzzleloader hunts, which I like. Um, but except you've never. Except I don't own a muzzleloader. Except I own a 50 caliber Hawkin that shoots a round ball. That's all you need, man. Well, I'm, I'll take it out there. I mean, I've, I've always wanted to kill a deer with Have that you ever thing. shot the thing? Oh, yeah. I've shot it a bunch. It's fun. It's a fun gun to shoot. Um, but, yeah, me and JT, so for work, uh, we went to Selwood Farms in Alpine, Alabama and did a clay shoot for Ooh, work. They sponsored uh-huh. We went out there. They said I could bring some friends, so, so I brought uh, JT. I appreciate that. Yeah, hey man, if you'd quit earlier, you could have went with me. It was so fun, dude. It's like golf with a shotgun. It, it was so fun. I brought JT and uh, my buddy Gabe Goodson out there, and uh, at the end of the thing, I did drawings for stuff, and JT won a two hundred fifty dollar gift card to Academy, so he went and spent it on a muzzleloader, and he's like, "We'll share custody of this muzzleloader." <laughs> so, because uh, me and him were both talking about, we're like, man, we got these muzzleloader hunts coming up, but we don't have a muzzleloader. So he went and bought the muzzleloader, got the scope for it and everything. Got got everything set up, ready to roll, and uh, we can't find primers anywhere. We both went to a couple different stores, called some places. No primers anywhere. I may have some extra I can get y'all. Dude, I need them in about two weeks. I'm going to need them. I'm going to need me some primers. <laughs> I'm going to need somebody to let me borrow a muzzleloader because it's going down. Or you just, hey, just, you know, you know, Big Money Maxwell go. <laughs> I think Mr. Perry's probably got some... Uh, some good luck with his uh, muzzleloader. Oh. I need to borrow his muzzleloader. And, That's his, right. yeah. and, and his Southern Outdoors Mint orange hat. Which we have no more of. Which we're working on getting a new shipment. New new design. There's one sitting on the shelf right there. If, if you highest bidder can get it. Yeah, that's right. There's one left, man. You know, Everyone, you, everyone's been posting pictures. You know what's funny? Here. There actually might have two extras in the truck. Ironically, uh, when I shot that doe the other day, I was trying to get a picture with it, and I was trying to find Southern Outdoorsman hat to get a picture of it with. But what, what hat did you hunt with? The GDIY oh, hat. Okay. Well, okay. All right. All yeah. right. I, that's why I texted Nick, Nick in the group. Nick, I said, Nick, Nick Adair. All I right. was like, yeah, new new, uh, new lucky hat. Oh, you know, Gun Dog Yourself podcast. Yep. Couldn't find our own hat. Hmm. Anyways. God. All right. So, all right. Well, other than that, dude, I got nothing else. So just about to be super busy. I, I, I've got one other thing. Uh-oh. Uh, I just realized that uh our wma uh that i was able to hunt uh during the week last year uh no longer has those hunts did y'all notice that yep yeah oh yeah i noticed it which is uh, kind of upsetting to me but you know kind of kind of definitely a bummer because i was able to actually hunt some gun hunts um but yep got rid of it so I guess back to the bow I go. <laughs> Which I was more successful with the bow than I was the gun last year, so that was probably not a bad thing. I was about to say, you, you, I mean, you did, you held your own with the bow last year, that's for sure. So Awesome. All right. Well, boys, got anything else? No, man. We, we, just, get, uh, we, got, we got a couple of mentions. Got to do a shout-out to the uh, Patreon partners and yeah. uh, Patreon partnership program. Appreciate, appreciate all the new uh, Patreon members, guys. Uh, y'all been actually absolutely killing it over there with some other cool stuff. Now, since I'm going full-time with everything, I want to do a lot more stuff on the Patreon uh, right now. Yeah, this is what we needed, too, uh, for all the listeners out there with the Patreon. Between the the, the Patreon, this podcast... YouTube channel. Three episodes, the YouTube channel. There's just the amount of work 
uh, has quickly outpaced the amount of man- manpower uh, that we had. So we really needed one of us to go full time uh, to start handling some of this stuff. So now that we have that, uh, it's going to make a big difference in what we're actually able to do with all that stuff. Because, I mean, that, man, there's so many hours in the day. And, and Jacob, since you were got your day job where you were working, like, I don't know if there was a week uh, uh, where you worked 40 hours. I mean, you really did work overtime. Oh, yeah. Like, absolutely. the whole time that you were there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because I, I could never get him in the woods. I still I have not hunted with Jacob yet this year. That's the first time since we've met that we've gone this long. I haven't hunted with you yet. So I'm going to come drag you out of bed on Friday and we're going hunting. That's going to be terrible. Yeah. But, you know, oh, no, it'd be okay for deer hunting, but we're going to go duck hunting, man. Yeah, I'm making him go duck hunting, man. We're oh. going to have a good Hey, hey, time. hey, I got to go on that duck hunt too, okay? Hey, are you free on Friday, Black Friday? Um, Yeah, he ain't doing nothing. <laughs> oh, that's that's that Black Warrior. That's the, the gun hunt that I'm going well, to. Well, don't, don't skip your rut hunt, uh, but... We're gonna go duck hunting this year, dude. I I've been I've been giving y'all so much crap for not going because it's it's deer season for like six months here. So I'm like, you can spare one day to go duck hunting with me. They're in the prime rut. So, God, no, it ain't the prime. Where where was I the other day? And I was all over ducks. Um, uh, I would love to know. I <laughs> would love <laughs> I'm, to know. I'm gonna have to think about it because I was all over some ducks somewhere. Um, what kind of ducks are they? Wood ducks? <laughs> oh, I I have no clue about ducks. They're just flying. Did they quack or did they make some weird noise? Well, it's that it's that noise they make when they come flying in right at gray light. Like the okay. Oh, well, we were gonna have to talk about it afterwards. But anyways, I'm very interested in this. But yeah, I'm gonna make <laughs> I'm gonna make Jake go duck come with me. You're gonna have a good time, man. This can be fun. I promise. Do I have Do I have to wear waders? Yes. Well, I don't know. I'll ask Colby and Clay. I think I think Colby's gonna go. If Colby goes, I think we'll have a boat. Sweet. Yeah. If not, we're gonna hunt some timber. We're gonna hunt some timber holes. So it's gonna be a good time. Been all, there's a lot of ducks right now where we're gonna go. So well, I got a I got a box fingers of shells. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I got plenty of shells. Wait, oh, a twenty gauge. Bro. I know where it's at now. I got some twenty gauge. Yep. Steve? Hey, hey. Yeah. I know where it's at now. I'll tell you in a minute. Sweet. I'll tell it. I'm gonna mark it. I'll bleep it. Go. All right. It's a. Uh, it's a. What? Really? Yeah. No kidding. Okay. Yep. Okay, that's all. That's all I oh, need to know for now, dude. Could we go on that lake? Remember that lake up in? Uh, Say it. I'll believe, I'll believe it. Uh, the one that you went fishing at. Is that? Did you hunt that? Oh, that, that's a good question. Could you hunt that? I, I, I'm pretty sure you could. Um, I mean, I'll have to. I'll have to check. Oh, yeah. dude, I'm telling you. I'll tell you what, man. If you if you're a guy that wants to go shoot some wood ducks, those random lakes and ponds out in the middle of the woods are freaking fantastic, dude. They are. I mean, I see more wood ducks there than a lot of places I go to. But anyways. That's basically what this was. It was out in the middle of the woods, just a little uh, creek running through. Um, and there was like a little swampy area. And uh, and they came through. Um, I actually saw them floating down the uh, floating down the creek. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. Because I was like, I was like, I thought it was a deer at first. What? And like one went, one went by and then I was like, another one went by and I finally got my scope up. And I was like, is that a raccoon? And I was like, oh. I was like, that's actually water. I was like, oh, that's ducks. <laughs> yeah, they're probably woodies then. Yeah, I've been jumping them, man. There's there's a lot down here this year. I'm really excited. But I've been jumping them in my deer spot that I've been scouting. And I was telling uh I was telling JT and Clay, I was like, man, after the rut and everything's all said and done, getting here like late January, we need to come in here and uh hopefully clean up on it. Cause you can jump shoot creeks pretty easy. You know, that's fun. That's a lot of fun. 
But anyways, All that was right. a tangent. All right, guys. Well, we got we got to mention uh, some of our uh, Patreon partnership, uh, our Patreon partners uh, that do a lot of our giveaways for the Patreon uh, members. Which super excited about that. Again, absolutely appreciate everybody who's been joining the the members. Uh, for the Patreon. Got a lot of stuff going to be ready to rock and roll for the month of uh, December coming up there. But uh, what we've got going on, of course, which the giveaway will be coming out on next week's episode for the month of November is I want to thank uh, Backwoods Grind Coffee Company. They actually do two $25 gift certificates uh, to their website along with a special discount code for Patreon-only members. So you can you know get you get you the uh, gift certificate and use that discount to uh, discount code at uh, backwoodsgrindcoffeecompany.com. Uh, also, we've got uh, Backwoods Mobile Gear. There's a seventy-five dollar credit, uh, which again can be used for any of their products on uh, the Backwoods Mobile Gear website. Then we have JX3 Outdoors. Uh, JX3. Oh, I should say Backwoods Mobile Gear also has a special discount code for patreon only members uh, so of course if you're on patreon you can see the post there for the discount code uh for backwoods mobile gear also we have jx3 outdoors they have a 75 dollars credit that goes towards anything on their site uh so absolutely appreciate those guys i'll be rocking the jx3 in just a little bit this season uh as we kind of get into some more firearm hunts that's a great system for that um also we have out on the limb manufacturing $75 credit that um, Matt from Out on a Limb uh, uh, gives away every single month uh, for the month of or for the uh, for the fall uh, for one of the Patreon members. You can use anything on the site. Absolutely appreciate that as well. Then we have mobilehuntinggear.com and mobilehuntinggear.com uh, not only has a special discount code for Patreon only members, but also will make some custom stick talons, uh, which is a carrying system for your sticks, your climbing sticks, uh, based off if you're a saddle hunter or a tree stand hunter to make you more efficient while climbing the tree and also packing your gear into the woods. Uh, so you can check those guys out as well. Along with, uh, last but not least, uh, Cash River Leather. Uh, again, does custom leather work and leather uh, job for you know all kinds of custom work. They do uh, custom slings for the podcast, uh, for the giveaways. Uh, again, that are um, you know designed for the actual uh, members themselves. And actually, John Ball, the owner of Cash River Leather, is making me a custom leather chest holster for my Thompson Center Contender pistol. Oh, that's, that's pretty yeah, sweet. That it 30, made me a turkey tote. 30-30 uh, <laughs> pistol. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, great guys as well. But uh, anyways, High appreciate, quality stuff. Yeah, appreciate all the support from all these different companies. Um, so, you know, they've been fantastic this fall. And again, all the Patreon members, you know, see the giveaways every single year or every single month, should I say. Uh, so, of course, if you want to be a part of some of these giveaways and see and get access to some of these other posts we've done with GPS studies and some other stuff that we're working on right now, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman, or just click, better yet, the link down in the description below uh, on the podcast, and you can find not only all these companies, but also uh, the Patreon uh, details there as well. So, yep. you boys got anything else? Uh, I'll just say um, Thanksgiving's about to come up. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Hope y'all have a great one. Hope everybody's family's getting together, have a good time. Hope everybody gets out to do some hunting this weekend. It's going to be a good weekend. Well, I think we got a cold front rolling through. It's going to be fun. You're going to have a good time. And then for the website, um, Jacob mentioned earlier the hats. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, they might be they might the the Richardson 112s, the loading black. Yeah, the loading black. If you want hats, but we what? have two right now as we're recording this. There's two left. So uh, yeah, I don't know about it. Um, we got we got a bunch of the other ones though. So definitely go check them out. We're trying to get another shipment of the loading black ones. So 
Uh, when those come in, I think I say you say it, loading, loading, um, green. It's a fancy word for green. Green hats. Those are going to come in. Hopefully, we're going to get another shipment. And then I think we forgot to mention we got the uh, running gun, the good old running gun whitetail hunters decals for the so, Facebook group. So if you Facebook are group. if you're part of our Facebook group, the running gun whitetail hunters, uh, of course we had the new decals and the new logo that we just released uh, for yep. the group. Had, so. a, had a logo made for it. Looks really great. Um, proud of this logo, man. Yeah, absolutely. Our logo guy, he, he kills it. Clutch. Yeah. Absolutely, every time. So, of course, you can just go over, hit the show notes down below, check out some of the new merch, especially with Black Friday coming along. Uh, are we going to do any Black Friday deals? Yeah, you're going to have to go to go to the website and find out. All right, guys. You or might... go to the show notes and find out. Go to the show notes, click the link, and you may be surprised uh, kind of what we got rocking and rolling for this uh, for this Black Friday. But anyways, appreciate the support, everybody. Yeah, go uh, check out those decals. we got a bunch of them. So, y'all go check hey, them out. Hey, are we going to do reviews? or? Man, we didn't get any new ones, man. We read all we of them. Yeah, check it, Mike. Okay. Dang. See, yep. Mike, that was Mike's well, favorite thing. The, the last one, uh, Mr. H. Riddle. I wonder if that's Haynes Riddle. Um, if it is, uh, he, he had mentioned, uh, he said, we have two public land deer on the wall because of these guys' effort. Oh, uh, he, dude, he, he, just, just, he just killed he just, a good one. Yeah, he just put a put a good one down on, uh, on Bankhead. So I was uh, going to yeah. say, maybe... Yep, yeah. Maybe it's three. He uh he just messaged us. Uh said, Hey guys, I'd wrote a review that you guys had on last week's outro. I'm the one that said we killed a couple wall hangers because of the show. I tried to reach out to you uh the day I heard the review, but I didn't think my message went through. Blow her a couple deer that we killed last year in blank and uh blank blank. I'm not gonna say the names. Um and uh, this one is from today. Thank you guys for what you do. Oh man, I killed another one. Oh yeah, yeah. You didn't, I, 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 I've seen it. I've seen it, Dude, bro. I didn't. I just yeah. now saw this. Oh, that's what we were just saying. Oh my gosh, what a freaking! Oh, that's a good deer, man. Stud. Golly, he's thick. Holy smokes! Thick like a country biscuit. We gotta bring that. He's back. thick as a country biscuit, man. I'm gonna need you to put me on one, Haynes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need you to put me on one. Drop me some pins, man. Oh, my God. Adrian's <laughs> getting... This is a sorry, man. We got so much season left, too. Like, the road's not even here. No, nah, dude. We ain't even got to the best part. I'm so excited. That's I, a great That's a great thing about living in the Southeast, like where we're at. It's like, man, all these guys... Are, oh, man. I, I saw someone make a post today about, oh, all these guys that are like uh, post-rut uh, vacation depressed or whatever because i guess they didn't kill any deer on, on the rut vacation in the, in the midwest i'm like dude it's just now getting good down here i mean it's it's not even getting good in some areas i mean when it comes to like if you're like a rut oh, hunter dude, it always kills me when we're at ata oh, all these God. midwestern like deer hunting industry guys are like yeah we had a great season i'm like the deer are running right <laughs> now <laughs> dude, where we, we're from dude we were at the birds like booth. i shouldn't be here dude I, we gotta tell the story so <laughs> this was uh 2019 we were at because we didn't go 2020 no no it was 2020 we didn't go 2021. Yeah. yeah. So 2020, we're at the... Yeah, uh, there wasn't one in 2021. Uh, virtual thing, whatever. Yeah. But, no, yeah, they had one in person. But anyways, 2020, we're at the Burris Optics booth with like one of their, you know, their Oracle bow site. When he was, we were talking to one of the guys and and somehow Andrew gets in conversation the guy was talking about yeah man you know it's pretty cool y'all from Alabama yeah yeah and uh, Andrew just got Andrew, like you were I just pissed. went on a rant it was like it was like the second I day I hate AT I don't like going to AT yeah it was like the it's second day fun. it was like the second day and Andrew's like they are running right now. Well, I'm talking to you. <laughs> there are bucks chasing does right now, and I'm here having to have this conversation with you right now. I'm like, well, Andrew, this is really working out for us, isn't it, buddy? 
No, I wasn't mean to him. He was fascinated with it. He was fascinated. He's I, like, what? They're still running? But, but Andrew had all this enthusiasm. He's like, they're running right now, man. Yeah, right now. I was fired October, up. October? January? In the middle of Indianapolis. I don't like being in big towns in the middle of some faraway town. Man, you're like a dog that never got socialized, bro. You just, I am. You get anxiety. <laughs> I am, dude. Bro, he's like aggressive around <laughs> other people. Tiffany's like, hey, we got to go here. And I'm like, where is it? She's like, downtown. I'm like, <laughs> But you love going to concerts. That's what I don't understand. Cause like I hate going to concerts. It depends on where Andrew. Are Andrew, I'm the same way. I, I don't like big cities. Like get me out in the country, away from everybody. Oh, dude, I I hate uh, the thought of having a park in the city. I can't. Yes. Uh, like I can't. <laughs> I can't parallel park with crap. Really? I've never had to. I lived outside of we, cities my whole life. Oh my God. Literally never had to parallel park. Oh. Yeah, Except gonna, for when I go to go to cities. We're gonna have the culture. Yeah. You'd be the one driving. What is that? New Ford just got the. Auto parallel park. I'm sure there's more trucks that do that too. Oh, yeah. you, you need something like that. It's a sad. Yeah. Sad. He, Andrew. Okay. All right. While we're talking about things that Andrew can't do, he can't back up a trailer too. Let's just say it. Let's just say it. <laughs> R.I.P. If there's a boat behind him. No, I can back up a trailer. No, he's like, Jake, hop in. I'm not the best in the world at it, but I can do it. <laughs> he, he's the guy at the boat ramp. It's, you know, it's got four lanes of the boat ramp. He's taking all four lanes of boy. He's looking, he, he's looking like he's got freaking just, you know, looking like an L with that, tra- with that trailer behind him. He's jackknifing left and right. Listen, shh. Man, a, it, it, wait. When when what if I pulled a trailer with you? Wyoming, bro. I remember the one spot. You're like, I can't back this up. <laughs> <laughs> it was a t- it was a parking lot. He's like, Jacob, can you uh? Yeah, I don't think I can back this up. Uh, it, it was like an eight foot freaking little um, enclosed trailer. No, it's a six foot enclosed. I trailer. have <laughs> I have no recollection. Of this. I think I think you're full of crap. No, absolutely. I think I think you drift that, this. No, that's that's where the no, that's where the trip that's where that's where this all came to fruition. Is like, oh man, Andrew cannot back up a trailer. <laughs> And it was like an itty bitty little box trailer. I was like, oh, wow. Okay, let, let me hop in. We're yeah. good. Anyways, <laughs> man, you got to get in the podcast on a note. See, some people probably hopped off here when we started talking about like the Patreon partners. They're like, oh, man, it's about to be gone. But no, no, dude, we're yeah. still talking. Yeah, still talking smack, bro. Yeah, still chit chatting. Okay, Mike, I, I got to say this because I've been, I'm, actually, I think I told you about this. Uh, remember back when we I was doing the whole like, you know, running around some bear grease or bear oil? And I guess I, I was. Telling us three, we were all talking about like the barrel oil and everything, bear grease. And um, I mentioned that, like, oh, yeah, you know, it used to be used to, you know, cure baldness. And supposedly there was an awkward science where I must have looked at Michael after the fact. And I was like, <laughs> and anyways, and I got that, by the way, from the Bear Grease podcast with old Clay Newcomb. That's what he said. I'm just taking it from him. But uh, supposedly, so John Ball with Cash River Leather. He uh he called me and he's like, dude, he's like, man, when you first said that, he's like, I started laughing so hard, but he's like, I'm bald, and then it, he's like, I took personal offense. To that. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob's offending all the listeners. He's like, he's like, man, it was funny, but then I thought he's like, dang man, he's making fun of me too. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, well, this stuff here will grow hair on the doorknob. <laughs> we 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 give you enough crap so I can I can take a little bit of heat. Oh yeah, it's all good, hey, man. It's, it's tradition. Man. Oh, Lord. All right. Got to talk smack. I think that's all, Cat. I, I don't know if I got any, any more in me. Yeah, I think that's all I got, boys. Sweet. Well, Michael, any final words, thoughts, wisdom? Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. My birthday's uh, Wednesday. Going to be uh, a year old or so. Oh, uh, man. Man, he's turning 26, baby. Let's go. Let's <laughs> 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 to get tore up, son. How how old are you gonna be, Michael? Uh, Thirty seven. 
37, son. I've been calling you 37 for a year now, so I guess it's now on track. Okay, we're good now. <laughs> now you're correct. <laughs> now I'm finally correct. Okay. All right, hey, cool. Birthday, Mike, hope you get a big old giant birthday buck. Ooh. Hey, that'd be, that'd be nice. Dude, everyone, let's hope right, Michael. So, so by the time you're listening to this podcast, if you listen to it on Wednesday, it is Michael's birthday. So, get on Everyone go message him. Get in his personal inbox. Yeah, yeah. Bombard this, him. This, uh, this uh this week it should be a good week for hunting i think uh with the moon uh the way it's set up i think this will be a good week for uh deer movement all right michael this is this is how we're ending it michael's moon minute let's go <laughs> all right michael yeah. tell us what the yeah. tell us what the moon's gonna do yeah y'all get out there this week uh it should be a good morning movement and evening movement in my opinion so all right, I'm digging it. And you heard it straight from the Dilla's mouth. Yeah, straight from the Dilla's mouth. <laughs> awesome, <laughs> I love it. All right, boys, been a good one. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Have a good one. Be safe. I'll kill some deer this weekend. T- Tell us about it. And tune in Friday for the next listener success story. Yes, the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Yep. Y'all stay southern. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman. And thank you to Blackberry Smoke for the music for the podcast. Also, to follow along with us, make sure you check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Until next time, y'all stay Southern. Y'all go ahead and write down the dates, June 28th through June the 30th. Go ahead and just mark those off your calendar so you can be at the Dalton Convention Center in Dalton, Georgia for the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard a a ton of content from that expo last year that we posted. Uh, We talked about it a ton. Look, if you're the kind of person that listens to this podcast, this show was literally made for you. It was literally designed for you, which means you're going to love it. You know, all the best companies in mobile hunting are going to be there. A lot of the best deer killers in the Southeast are going to be there. A lot of our past podcast guests are going to be there. It's just, it's going to be an incredible event. And hey, if you've been looking to either get into a saddle or maybe a mobile lock-on setup or just a different kind of tree stand setup, I'm telling you, it's worth the investment to go to this show because they're all going to be there and you, you will get to try all of them in person before you buy it. So you don't have to order something online and then wait for it and then try it when it comes in to see if you really like it. You're going to get to go put your hands on everything all in one day, test it all out and figure out exactly what works best for you and have it taken care of before deer season starts. So like I said, go ahead and put it on your calendar, guys. It's a no-brainer. You gotta be at the show. Again, it's Friday, June 28th through Sunday, June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. We absolutely cannot wait to meet you guys there and talk hunting. So we'll see you at the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo in Dalton, Georgia.